Hello, story seekers. I'm Nico. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Tiny Bookcase. It's story time. Time for stories. The story time is upon us for stories. Time. You're right, mate. You okay? Uh, probably. <laughs> well, as Nico says, it's time for more stories. As always, written to a shared prompt. This episode, the prompt is the bear. Ben will be reading us his entry first. Tell me, Ben, does your story shit in the woods? Right next to the Pope. <laughs> the bear. Fucking thing tore her in half. Corey Phillips Weiss had the dark eyes of a man who had pulled himself up and out from the pit of terror caused by a close encounter with death. Such a journey can leave a man a coward. Indignant bravado was the mask he wore now, but Tocho thought he could see the murderous edge beneath it. Some men are turned cruel by terror. Yes, replied Tocho. He had seen the body. Out of nowhere! Yes. How much longer until we find its trail? Tocho shrugged in response. He had seen bear sign an hour earlier, but hadn't decided if he was going to let this fool shoot the bear. Revenge was a thing that Tocho never allowed in his life. Too much time in the wilds had stripped him of his ego. He knew it was impossible to hold on to much in your life if you are humbled by glaciers, mountains, and thick, life-filled forests every day. Phillips Weiss hadn't the heart to be humbled. He had stumbled into the ranger lodge two days ago, babbling about the attack. The body of his boss had been found quickly enough, what remained of her, and a few phone calls from Phillips Weiss, and the kill order on the bear had been requested by the governor himself. Tocho had relocated more than a dozen problem bears in his tenure at the National Park, and was selected as the guide for the revenge hunt. I'm going to hang its skin in the boardroom, right behind where she used to stand, said the man, speaking as though he was certain someone would care about his inner monologue. Tocho could smell his ambition starkly against the clean smells of nature. They both froze when they heard it. So loud, so near. The bellowing, undulating roar of the grizzly grabbed them by their brainstems and spoke arrestingly in an ancient tongue. The knowledge that there are some fights humans are not supposed to win flooded their bodies. He's close. Tocho spoke to himself. But Corey nodded and unslung the pump action he'd borrowed from the lodge to replace the bows he and his CEO had been carrying. Tocho had seen more and more people from out of state coming with bows. Few of them were proper hunters, and almost all of them returned to their cities empty-handed. The semi-automatic shotgun, however, was a weapon even a fool could kill with. Tocho stepped to the edge of the trail and looked down the sloping bank, peering through the intertwining boughs of the trees towards a small stream. The river often ran high there, but Tocho could see it had receded to a trickle of its normal self to reveal the polished rocks and pebbles of its bed. The bear walked on those stones, its weight causing them to grind against each other. A large male, Tocho had heard it in the roar and could see it clearly now. The creature would be a ten-footer at least when it stood up. He marvelled at its glossy fur and enormous muscular back as it stooped to drink from the stream. And then he saw it, a splash of bright neon colour that poisoned the scene for him. The plastic fletchings of an arrow stood up near its spine. You shot him, Tocho muttered at Philip's voice, without taking his eyes off the bear. A gust of wind made the leaf canopy above them shiver. It attacked us, of course I did. 
You shot him in the back. Such an injury confirmed Tocho's worst suspicions. This fool had tried to kill the bear with a bow and drawn on the attack. He looked into that mask of bravado and realised the man hadn't been turned cruel by the bear's fury. He'd had that from the start. Had he done it on purpose to remove his boss? The man's eyes seemed to drink in Tocho's expression, reading him. A heavy-throated huff snapped their attention back to the bear, which had stood up to smell them on the changing wind. His sodden muzzle dripped as his nose swayed in their direction. The butt of the pump action took Tocho behind the ear and sent him sprawling forwards. The trees passed him in a silver and green blur, and Tocho, near senseless, rolled to a stop on the shifting rocks of the parched riverbed. The branches had snatched at him, cutting his face and snag-tearing his uniform. His left eye swam as he tried to focus on the bear. The strike of the gun had rattled something loose inside his head. Tocho reached for the bear spray he carried on his belt, but his fingers wouldn't close on it. He settled for rolling over and pushing himself up to his knees. The bear towered over him. Its jaw... Take it again. The bear towered over him. Its jaws hung open and ropes of saliva dangled from within its maw. It held its forepaws out in front of itself and claws like hunting knives uncurled as the creature prepared to kill. Tocho heard the pump of the shotgun's action but knew the murderous fool up the hill wouldn't fire until after the bear attacked. The bear heard it too and let himself drop forwards. The swipe it gave Tocho flung him back down onto the stones. The claws had snatched gouges out of his chest and cleaved through rib bones. Pain followed the shocking strength of the impact, and Tocho stifled a scream as the bear charged past him up the hill. The Remington barked and the foliage around the bear exploded, but the lumbering charge did not stop. Tocho heard the shotgun fire twice more before the screaming started. He found it impossible to feel much for the man who had brought about his end. The cold was already creeping in as his wounds let all his blood out, slowing his body's processes until they gradually stopped. Tocho's eyes watched the stream trickle between the smooth stones, and something in him told him to savour that last moment. The bloodied muzzle of the bear poked back into his view. The creature limped past him and tried to drink from the stream again. It slumped as it drank and then fell on its side. Tocho could see the ruin wrought by the shotgun on its belly. Its torn hide yawned to show deep purple and red within. The wind rustled at the trees again, uncaring for what had unfolded. It brought with it the sense of the mountain, the forests and the lake. Tocho let his attention drift away on its eddies as his ragged breath fell silent. I am really moved by that. Are you? Yeah, I think it's mostly because I really feel for Tocho in that story. I, and I'm not sure if it's just because his vice was such a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. But it's all the way through, you know, the way he was connected to the park, the way that he he didn't like the methods these people were using, the way that the outsiders were acting. I, He was such a, such an empathetic character. I think that was captured really nicely. Yeah, I was sort of trying to get with him and with the bear and with 
the forest and with and with Philip Spice, like just these, just things that aren't really congruent about the way that the world works at the moment. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very very simple story. There's not not I wouldn't say there's a huge amount going on in it. Um, I I think that's to its credit, mate. I think honestly that the the elements of it do need to be that raw to get that story right because it's it's got time to focus on the perspectives of the characters even the bear you get some sort of idea of of the bear's take on it because it is the innocent in this story the terrifying blood-drenched innocent but you got to love it that is it mate it's it's its nature mm-hmm. yeah it didn't shoot itself in the back <laughs> no no, I had a um, absolutely beautiful turn of phrase quite near the beginning, actually, about uh, Philip Spice hadn't the heart to be humbled. Yes, which is a fantastic turn of phrase. Just there's something about people like that, and I have met a few of them in my life, and they're just—it's sort of like they're missing something. Yeah, and I, obviously, I ha- I have no religion. I, I don't have it, even really have any spirituality or anything like that. But like, I think you can tell when someone has spent so long thinking just about themselves yeah that they're not really there anymore it's i mean there's a level of a, a lot of uh, sort of psychological conditions like narcissism and psychopathy that you can feel them even at range yeah on people and i think that is and this kind of corporate environment yeah. that this guy clearly comes from breeds that kind of um mental illness because it's it's actually it, you know it's it's encouraged it, it all those things give you give you a leg up on your opponents in those kind of situations yeah they, they make you cut through they make mm. you unstoppable um and then i through like sort of like podcasts that i've been listening to for a few years now there's just been this like weird drive for people that don't live near national parks to get into like bow hunting which is in, apparently incredibly hard to do because yeah. you have to be Obviously, I, I'm I'm not a hunter, so if anybody else knows more about this, then let me know. But from my understanding, you have to know that you're going to actually kill the animal before you can take the shot, whether it's with a gun or a bow or a throwing fucking axe or something. One of the interesting things about that kind of like non-mechanical hunting, so using bows and axes and knives, and that being good with the weapon isn't important or isn't as important as being good at getting close to animals yes exactly that's exactly where i was going because it you need the stealth to get close because if you can't get close then you can't guarantee you're going to kill it yeah and it's the the range that you have to get to with a bow is a lot closer than you have that you can do with a with a high-powered rifle for example yeah you can do from a rifle it's you have to walk over to see if they if you even got them yeah yeah you have to go and find out is it down is it down (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway so um just this idea that it would be quite a useful way it would sort of somehow the forest and nature were actually incorporated incorporated into this kind of game of thrones cutthroat ceo boardroom environment like it was actually used like an assassination almost um what a roundabout way of doing it right i'm gonna have to get my boss in the woods and then i'm gonna have to find a bear well, the reason that I went for it was because the um, the CEO is a woman. Yes. And I think there's something primal about the reason that Philip Weiss does it this way. Because he wants uh, to go out and kill the bear as well and, and prove it by, like, getting the pelt. Yes. 
so he's he's kind of proving that he's man enough, he's hard enough to he's be the alpha, yeah. he's yeah to be uh, at the top of that board table. Um, in such a very on the nose way, um, but yeah, it's it's and then all of this poor Tocho gets sort of um, caught up in it. Yeah, that was the description of the uh, the claws having like gone through the ribs. Yeah, like they aren't even there. Like they just yeah. it just pulls straight through the bone. Because they are they're scary fucking things, bears. Yeah, I mean grizzly bears are, uh, you know, as I said in the story, they're ten feet tall. Like it's they are absolute man killers. The um, yeah. Native Americans were used to um, when they went out on bear hunts, which they didn't like to do too often. Apparently, they would take up to ten men to kill one bear. Wow. Just because it's so fucking dangerous, so it's, and these are these are people that are very attuned to the land and, and know exactly how to hunt very well. There was a um, it's got to be ten years ago now. There was a thing where they would the ice flow had completely frozen over in the north, and polar bears and grizzlies had met and bred, <laughs> and experts were really worried about the cubs. Because they might ha- they might be polar bear strength with grizzly bear temperament, yeah, and that is the worst case scenario in Absolutely. terms of the bear. <laughs> There's I... also the uh, the Kodiak bears as well, isn't there? They're they're the other absolutely massive bears in North America. God, yeah, they're they're the ones you always see that when they stand up, they're really slim in the middle, but their haunches <laughs> are massive. Absolutely bonkers stuff. But, you know, also incredibly cool creatures. I remember years ago I watched a documentary where they had they put cameras in the water so that you could see them doing the the fishing that they do. And they're they're so they're so fucking like they lumber about, but they're graceful. It's and they're it's agile. Yeah. So really awesome creatures, which sort of you know, in the story you have that moment where Tocho is just he sees a picture perfect thing, which is this bear drinking from a stream in a beautiful landscape. And then there's just that little like neon plastic in his back, yeah, that unlocks everything that's gone on and is going to happen for him. Um, yeah, that I mean, even that just that this man who's so in touch with the nature around him, you know, he spent ten years in this national park. He like it. All it takes is that one thing out of place for him to kind of unpick the whole thing. That's yeah, yeah, really nicely put together. Mm. Yeah, I was I was fairly pleased with it being the whole it being shot in the back thing making the difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's 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 sort of relatively easy to point at some things, isn't it? Because it's a very simple story. But was there anything that could be improved in there? Any any like phrasings? Any wordings? I don't anything? know about specific phrasing. I think possibly pace. Mm-hmm. It's it it goes at a clip at the beginning. That means it's it's quite easy to lose some of what's happened. It does get reaffirmed later, you know, with Tocho looking at it and going, oh, yeah, I think this is why this has happened. But I did find myself a little bit lost at the start. Sure. But that may just be me. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, it's always worth taking, like, whenever someone gives you a note like that, it's always worth reading it for, like, rereading it for that effect yeah. and seeing why it might have been created and how you can avoid it. But then um, I I think it's, you, you, did, you did a nice word economy thing with, you know, saying, just saying, like, being at this park instead of saying it was this kind of park and it did this. Like, we, we can all paint that picture ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. there's some excellent word economy in there. 
but I think that does mean that it moves at a pace that sometimes it's difficult to to give yourself time to flesh the whole thing out before mm. you're into the next section of the story. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think I can see that because they they go it goes from like big broad strokes to the bare roars, doesn't it? Quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, like, interesting. It's, it's a simple concept. It's not you know there's not a big like overarching deceit to it. So it's it's nice and even though you do have to catch up, when you get there, it's like, okay, I'm in, I know what's happening. So, mm. you know, maybe the shifting of a couple of words to allow breathing room, and then it would be... Yeah, I mean, ideally, you obviously, we spoke about it in the last episode, you want that fir- that first section to be a serious hook. So yeah. if the first section's losing people, then that's that's a problem that the story needs to, that the writer needs to address. So I'll definitely be looking at that story again. But that's that's good feedback, man. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Now, so I, I I interpreted this prompt in the the most obvious possible way. <laughs> the bear was actually the bear. So I'm really hoping that you've got something different for us. Well, let's see. The bear. When I came out, it was interesting. My parents were completely fine with it, which is obviously amazing. My mum actually said, well, duh, like something she'd seen on Reddit, which is pretty embarrassing. But hey, embarrassing is what parents do, right? The interesting part, for me at least, was discovering that there are queer versions of everything. Gay bars, everyone knows about, but gay Twitter, gay fashion... They're not their own apps, just like these secret little communities that you find out about because you stick in the right search term or or someone tells you about it. It's like some sort of cock farmer's market. So here I am, learning a whole bunch of stuff because my knowledge had only gone as far as fancying boys, and I realise I have got to get out there. I was 15, which seems so young now, when I decided I was going to head out to a gay night at a club near me with some friends. So, these friends. There was this absolutely incredible drag queen called Paula Hollywood, who was inexplicably doing a show in this tiny pub in our cul-de-sac. They had a whole bread shtick going on, lots of stuff about soggy bottoms, I'm sure you can imagine. It was a hello cliched, but I loved it. They were asking everyone if they wanted to be their prue sheath, and it was honestly the most freeing and filthy thing I had ever seen. Probably because I'd spent so many late nights watching Bake Off with mum and dad, rather than out meeting people or online watching porn or whatever other teenage boys were doing. So I had to make friends with Paula, who it turns out was actually called Barry, and we hit it off pretty quickly. Bread puns were coming thick and fast, and I got turned upon, you know, and they said, I didn't look old enough to be there. And I just blurted out, well, maybe I needed more time to prove myself. And they laughed and everyone laughed. And yeah, it was a pretty great moment for me. So I paid for a drink for them after and we just chatted away. And I told them I was recently out and this was my first time I had a queer grown up, adult, sorry, that's a tough habit to break, sort of introduced me to the scene. And it wasn't all ball gowns and glitz either, despite our best efforts. 
I decided against Grinder pretty much immediately. The few memes I'd seen about it had me thinking I was not ready for being bombarded with willies and all that. But Barry, who he was by this point, gave me his number and said WhatsApp if I wanted to, and he would love to chat more. He also recommended some Twitter accounts and a few movies and comedians to check out. And I got really lucky, which looking back now I know. Barry, you were and are a fucking icon and I love you. That queen taught me so much. <laughs> and they were so kind and accepting. They basically gave me a year of homework before they even started telling me where I could meet men. I was at home watching The Birdcage and basically live texting him the plot of a film he had seen a hundred times and he was so nice about it. Eventually, he let me come to his flat, probably so I didn't wear out the vibration on his phone, and we'd watch Priscilla and he'd teach me the songs from Kinky Boots and how to make nice food. I mean, my mum can cook, but it's all very 70s British, you know. I don't mind steak and kidney pie, but I also love knowing what a creme brulee is or ceviche or all the other nice things he taught me. And Barry never let me drink, and was always super appropriate with me. It was like getting a big queen brother. I know a lot of other people had terrible experiences stepping out into the community, so I do feel extremely blessed. So, I've known Barry a while, and I'd helped out on his show a couple of times, because I had short hair and glasses, so he got me to be Sue Perkins and say things like, Five minutes, bakers! And then he'd grab someone's hand and say, Quick! We haven't got long, how's my loaf? So funny. But I'd been pestering him so much that he agreed, and he took me out to meet people and get drinks and all the other exciting stuff. He warned me to be careful, and I waved it off, even though I was shitting it. I'd never told him I was a virgin, but he knew he must have known. So I got too excited, and someone had bought us both a drink after a show, and I drank it, even though I didn't know what it was, and I tried to kiss Barry, and he was so nice about it. He just gave me a hug and said I should have some water. He said it was too old for me. Now come and help me out of this wig. He was so kind to me every time I did something weird or awkward, which was frequent. So we ended up out at this dingy place and I met a bunch of Barry's friends and they were an absolute scream. They all made this big fuss of me and tried to style my hair a bit and a bunch of them told me I was cute and I felt so good and positive. Then I get introduced to this one guy they just call the bear. I can see why. He was so big and muscly and he had this beard that seemed impenetrable. I was immediately terrified like sexually frozen on the spot, but Barry held my hand and said something, and off he went with a wink at me. And one of the others said something about hiding the twink, which I knew was me. I was anywhere at the table, not in full drag, but I didn't really notice. I was awestruck by the bear. I'd, n I'd never seen anyone like him. But I was petrified. Be careful, okay? Barry had said so many times, and I'd always listened to him. But as the night went on, they all started getting drunk. I was listening to the stories and laughing my ass off, and they were all calling me Perkins, and I fit right in. I went for a wee at one point, and I met the bear again. He offered me a drink. I didn't want to be rude. I said, sure, I, I don't 
really know what I like. And he said something about knowing exactly what I liked, and pretty sure he called me a slut. But that's just how it is sometimes. I took the drink, and he watched me drink it, which I just assumed was a power play kink thing. But the next time I stood for a wee, I did not feel good. And he was just there again, the bear. And I don't know how it started, but I was having my third kiss ever. And my first was a girl called Emily Noble, and I hated it. And my second was a boy named Jamie Farrow, which confirmed everything. He was so hairy, and he smelled, and I wanted to ask for a minute to breathe, but I couldn't do it. it it's like when you spin around too much. You know, your stomach's in your mouth, but you can't actually be sick. He was just so big, he just sort of picked me up and took me into this little corner of the place, and he, he started playing with me. I don't want to go into detail, but he was hurting me a lot. And his huge muscles and nasty hot breath had me feeling terrified. So I called out, just once. You're hurting me, I said. And he just said, good. So now I'm crying, and this big monster is just trying to find a good angle. And I hear that familiar Scouse voice say, I The blood hit me with a big wet splosh. And there was a heel just wedged in the bear's temple. And he went all floppy trying to pull it out. I, I kicked against him and he just sort of turned slowly. And this massive hand balled up and hit my lovely Barry so hard that he fell backwards. And even in my state, I heard the crack as his head met the table behind him and then everyone knew and we were all pulled apart and there were sirens and one of the other drag queens was pulling my trousers back up the bear got 13 years for manslaughter and another 10 for the rape I got life without Barry I can't watch Bake Off anymore but I throw him a party Every bread week. I'm still after a bit more time to prove myself. Sad pun. Sad pun ending. Sad pun Dude. ending. Oh, very nice. The uh the, the sort of inversion of your uh normal more like punchline style yeah. for the uh the tragic of the two masks. Yes. Was was really nice. I liked that a lot. Um I think that a lot of the character characterization was was really strongly done. I think you you definitely know Barry by the end of the story, and I think you get this this sense of um, the main character as well. Um, there, so I had I had a couple of thoughts about it that yeah. um, that I feel like how how long is it out of interest? Uh, it is one five ten. One five ten. Um. It, it sort of takes a while to get where it's going. It's it's kind of the inverse problem of the one that mine had. Um, I see that. And I, I, it sort of... I know, so obviously you end on this um, uh, this bread pun, this uh, bake-off stuff, and it, and it does happen like throughout it. But yeah. I'm not sure it actually builds in the way that you okay. want it to build. Yeah, yeah. So 
I think you could do with like paring that dip, that bit down a bit because all of the like key phrases about Barry um could still be in there. Um it's it's just sort of it's like it takes its time. It's very much like a um like a memoir style. It reminded me of like you know you get those like really long um Twitter threads where someone tells a really interesting story but yeah, they do it yeah. in like 150 characters and then it's like one out of 30, two out of 33 out of 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. It, it reminded me of that quite strongly, um, which totally suits for a younger man. Um, a it has elements of a, of um, culture and society that I'm not really a part of, yeah. so potentially some of that was um, sort of went over my head a little bit. But I definitely felt like it was it was like a full and rounded uh, person. I just think it took a little bit a little bit long to get to its get to its meat. Um, I think I definitely felt that in the writing where I thought, right, I've got the setup I want now. And then, you know, you look down at the word count and you go, oh, yeah, it happens. Oh, I've got to fit quite a lot in. And I think, yeah, a couple more editing runs would probably do it a big favor. Sort of take some out of the, the front third and put it back in at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of what would be what would be some good advice on that one. It's it's an interesting one because you know, like you say, it's it seems like it's just something someone is writing out or telling you. In that it's very context. naturalistic, yeah, for yeah. sure. I I think I try to justify it to myself at least in that he wouldn't want it. He'd want to spend a lot of time talking about his friend, but not a lot talking about the bad thing that happened to him. But I think that can definitely still be pared down. I think there's, yeah, there are details in there that while they're fun, if it was a much longer piece, they'd be worth keeping. But maybe when you when I've got the word economy we've got, it's, yeah, it's probably not worth having it all in there. Or, um, or change it. So, like, actually put some of that, like, Twitter formatting in, maybe. Oh, that would be fun. And have it, like, you know, like, part one, part two, you know, or one of 30, etc. Yeah. That kind of thing. That might be quite interesting to do something like that, especially because if you were to, if you were to read it on paper, that would be fascinating. Mm. Um, I liked it. There is a moment where you um, definitely establish that Barry is still alive um, inside the first third of the story. You say oh, when I was, was and, still and, is. and still is, yeah. That I found so. Whilst I understand that, like, you know, people like mem you know, remember them and stuff, yeah. it feels a bit like a rug pull for Barry to then die after. Okay. That. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how you would um, potentially refresh. That might be me just being a bit bit sensitive about that, but like the the that, idea that yeah that one because it was like I I can't almost say was a legend because then you're like so what happened to him? And I think it's too early in the story for mm. that. So maybe even just losing that phrase entirely is essentially sort of the play there. I, I think you can say like you could say like was a legend to me at that time. Yeah. No, like because it's an important moment in this guy's life, and he, you know he can be that can that could imply that then maybe no longer in touch. Maybe he's moved on. Maybe he was just important in his formative years as like yeah. coming out as a gay man and stuff like that. I think there's the stuff like that that could happen. Um, but yeah, the I really enjoyed the uh, the Larry Davy David um, like uh, pretty 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 good uh, little. Yeah. Um, affectation at the start. The cock farmers market had me laughing. I liked that one. 
Um, and also, just generally, the Bread Week stuff, like Paula Hollywood and all of the British Bake Off things, yeah. were really fun. And I think I think audiences would, would really like that. Um, it, it would almost be worth having them having a big chunk of it up front when, you know, when he goes to this drag show, then sort of maybe not, I, I know it's very natural for it to continue to be an inside joke and stuff, but maybe, maybe drop them for like a, the, like the middle third. Do you know, it might even be, you know, looking at it now, dropping that, that first section of, you know, when I came out, it was fine. My parents didn't care. And just opening it with not long after I came out, I went to my first drag show. Mm. Just cold opening with that. Just get, yeah, I think that would that that would work well for it. Um, but yeah, it was it fascinating, inter- like very um strong attempt, I think, and there's loads of really good stuff in there, and I think it's a really nice story. Um, you know, it's very it's very um like queer positive, and it's got a lot of stuff going on. I wonder whether um being so positive and then having it result in like a, a rape and murder does it does that sort of what did that mean for you when you when you wrote that so one of the reasons i wanted barry to be as good as he is is because these horrible things do happen and this person of a slightly older generation trying to protect you know young people who are coming out mm. is something that really happens and horrible things do happen and it's you know in both queer and straight communities horrible things like this are happening all the time Mm -hmm. and it was it's mostly a a reality check for this kid because he's had this sort of idyllic coming out as he does say a few times through you know i know other people had like a really hard time of it and i know that i'm blessed and it's you know the the fact Mm. he's held on to this perspective even after what happened to him I wonder if he could do away with the violence that Barry does because he hit, he hits that stiletto. He basically he stabs a guy in the head with a stiletto, like yeah. his, his heel. Which for a start, if that's going to his temple, I mean that isn't that a kill shot? Like that's that's like brain and all sorts of problems. I would have thought I think if, you could you could get it into the meat without getting it all the way. I think you'd have right. to really go to get through the skull. But I think potentially does that does that break the illusion of him as this um, lovely guy? I don't know. I think good people do bad things to protect others. That's they do. It. I just it, he opens with such like a like an attempt at murder is my is my point. That's true. That it's it's quite it's quite a strong way for that to it's it's very instant and um, you know you get that like blood splatter, but. Would it almost be more have more pathos if he just sort of like threw went, a drink over him or something? Yeah, or threw a drink on, or like, or like pushed him or something, or just like just something little, and then this bear responds incredibly aggressively. Yeah, and then then Barry, you know, dies in the way that you've described. Like that could almost work. I don't know. I feel like I'm pulling it like pulling it, the whole story apart, and I did really enjoy it. I just it almost the game man this is what we play for yeah 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 i could do yeah i I think i could do with barry not it's a cool image but i could do with for myself i could do with barry not doing that yeah um because i think it 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 sort of undercuts a lot of the stuff that we've that you spent a long time making 
for Barry. Um, yes, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's probably where about like quite a lot of my feedback revolves around actually because the Barry character is is so important to the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, the other question I was going to ask you was fifteen. Fifteen's quite um, young, isn't it, for this kind of thing to be? So he's sixteen at this point. He said it was a year before Barry was willing to take him out. Mm. But it's still very young. It's still quite, it's still quite young to be in uh, like clubs in general, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yes. So um, that for me, so when when that was happening, when when you're reading it out, I already had a sense of foreboding with that. Yes. And I don't. I I try to examine it, and I was wondering like. Is there some homophobia in why why I've got fear for this character? And I don't think it is. I think it's age. Yeah, it's I think because I, he's too young to be in the situation he's putting himself yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Like if he was going to like hardcore London nightclubs and stuff at sixteen, and he's such an innocent, isn't he? Like he's such a naive boy. Yeah. Like that, you you're gonna feel like terror for him in those situations. Um. Um. So. Yeah. What What could be done about that? Maybe. Maybe a bit more Barry. Yeah. Um, oh, maybe this is a story you just can't tell in fifteen hundred words. That's it's a thing we come across every so often, isn't it? That to to tell it right, you need a bit longer. This might just be one of those. Possibly, yeah. I I really like it though. Like I I think it's got so much meat on the bone, and it's just it almost needs to be like just formed. Um, formed into a bit more because it, it has such a strong ending as well that you know that that Bake Off pun, yeah. So many strong elements, yeah. I think um, Barry Barry's character, if we sort of if you were to like remove remove some of the punnage, yeah. which I know I know is fun, but for me anyway, this is this is where I'd go. I would remove some of the punnage, make Barry a um, you know a very pacifist, but strong protector yeah um maybe even a few lines about how it like it could be it could be really dangerous but i never felt i always felt safe blah 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 yeah. that kind of thing and then uh like this sort of accidental death because of this savage uh rapist drug bastard at the end um could make it could make this whole thing really feel very still the sort of classic tale of like tragedy, but also have a quite a modern twist. Maybe some of that Twitter stuff where you split it into little chunks. Yeah, I, yeah, think, I think you I think, do a lot with the formatting. Yeah, but there's so much great stuff in there. So many great lines. Yeah, I I I, I very much enjoyed it. It's almost a nice one for this podcast, isn't it? Because I really felt like I could sort of get my teeth into it. But yeah, yeah, where where it could go with it. Yeah, I mean that's. Like I say, that is what we play for. Like it's, it is. It's really good to get one that we can say, "Ah, oh, that's so close," but and then actually, you know, talk it through and play with ideas. That's this. This is the writing process, and everyone should. You should all be able to be comfortable actually sitting down and sharing a story with people and working through ideas because more perspectives are always better. It's a great thing to do. Mm. Very much so. Uh, I, mean, I you, you know, when you, you hear a story, I mean, it happens to us all the time on the podcast, but you know that the one that you just listened to is one you're going to be thinking about for a few days. Yeah. That that had the vibe of that for me. Like, it really, like, pressed some buttons 
inside my psychological makeup, which I think I think I'm gonna have to turn over in my head a few times to see what's what. But I, I think that was a. I was, I was going to invite you to a park to go hunting, actually, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, it won't be just us uh, turning stories over in the uh, in the next episode. We have a fair few guests lined up, which is really nice. Um, lots of uh, fascinating writers that we'll be talking to and interviewing and telling stories with. So we really are. I don't know. I'm feeling quite lucky at the moment that everything's going really well i'm really enjoying all the writing that we're doing and Couldn't all the ways that we're pulling apart stories and giving it a go but yeah thank you for telling me that story i enjoyed it thank you for being here and listening <laughs> should we let the like young people go home i suspect so until next time thanks for joining us for this episode of the tiny bookcase remember to subscribe otherwise you're going to miss out on the future fun also, tell a friend. If you like this episode, link them to it. We'd be tremendously grateful. You can follow us on Twitter at Bookcase Tiny, Facebook at The Tiny Bookcase, and Instagram at Bookcase Tiny for updates. Speaking of supporting the podcast, well, magic can only take one so far. The Tiny Bookcase is supported by the generosity of its patrons. Those kind souls have really kept my belly full the last year. Let's cast a spell for them, shall we? For a Magnificent Beardery, let's cast the Chinicus Folliculale spell on Gary Laird. For rich ginger tones on their scalp, let us cast the Orangi Hedondo spell for Scott Byrne. And for general fabulousness, why not the Ulala la Mother spell on Matthew McLaren? How do you come up with that shit, man?